Well, we are in a series called Breakthrough, and we are in a pandemic. And I know that our concern is about safety. And so I wanted to bring some stats to our attention. Here are some safety tips. 20% of all accidents happen in a car, so you better not drive. 17% of all accidents happen at home, so you better live outside. 16% of all accidents happen on a cruise ship, train, or planes. So you ought to be careful the transportation that you use when you go on vacation. 15% of all accidents happen to pedestrians as they're walking on the street. So you better not go for a walk. And yet I learned that, the, that only one one thousandth of a percent of all accidents happen in a worship service. So, if you're worshiping with us, you are, on the, you are in the safest place on earth. Now, this is what happens in our world according to Google News. A ferry sank with 100 passengers. People were rescued from a sinking boat looking for political asylum. Sports franchises may be going south or bankrupt or losing money because of Black Lives Matter. A Houston woman refused to leave her car as it was sinking because she was afraid she'd lose it. Bad economic news sinks the stock market. Are you hearing a common word in these worldwide events? I'm sure you are. Sink. Folks, even amongst uh, optimists, people have a sinking feeling. This week, as we conclude our series, I want us to take a look at this topic, when you've got that sinking feeling. By looking at a miracle that Jesus did, which was recorded in three out of the four Gospels of him walking on water. Now, why did Jesus do this? Well, Jesus never did a miracle to show off. He did this miracle for his disciples to teach them a lesson. In fact, the, the, the disciples were the only ones that saw this miracle. And he did this to teach them how to trust him when they have a sinking feeling. Now, let me give you a little background on this miracle. That afternoon, Jesus did his biggest miracle ever, the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm sure you remember that. After Jesus had taught all day long, he turns to his disciples and he says, hey guys, I want you to feed them because I don't want them to go home malnourished. And so they look around and they don't see a McDonald's, which is a crying shame. But they found a boy that had five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus takes those five loaves of bread and two fish and he feeds 5,000 men. Now we all understand where there is a man, there is a woman. So that makes it 10,000. And, and where men and women are together, well, there are children. And so there's probably 15,000 people there to hear Jesus teach. Well, when this miracle is over, the crowd goes berserk because they are looking for a political king. But Jesus was never interested in politics. And so he splits the scene. 
He tells his disciples, I'm going to go to the mountain and I'm going to pray. And I want you guys to get in a boat and go to Bethsaida. Bethsaida was not on the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee. Rather, it was on the same side that they were on, just two hours down the coastline. And so in essence, Jesus is telling these guys, you know what, you've had a hard day. I want you to go for a cruise down to Bethsaida, just two hours down the coast. This is where we pick up the story in Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. Immediately, that is after the the miracle of feeding the 5,000, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat all of his disciples, and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up alone on a mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake. What in the world is it doing in the middle of the lake? And he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now let's stop right there. Like I said, this miracle is recorded in three out of the four Gospels. And so from those Gospels, we learn a lot of details about this storm. This storm was not a little storm. It was a big storm that took them off course. Their intention was to go on their cruise down the coastline and get some rest. But as a result of this storm, they get stuck out in the middle of the lake. And they are straining at the oars to get back to shore. Let's pick up the rest of the story here. About the fourth watch, that is somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And and why not? Why wouldn't you think it's not a ghost? Because people don't do this, right? People don't walk on water. So they thought it was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. They didn't get the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, because their hearts were hardened. Now, what is going on here? Jesus intentionally sends his disciples on a cruise knowing that a storm is going to come. And he knows this because he's God. And folks, God knows everything. But he sends them on this cruise knowing that there is a storm coming because he wants to teach them a lesson about what do you do when you feel like you're sinking and how do you trust God? With those feelings. How do you know? As you and I are in this season of life, how do you know if you're sinking? How do you know if you're sinking in your marriage? How do you know if you're sinking with your finances? How do you know if you're sinking, sinking emotionally, mentally? From this 
story, we learn five things, five symptoms of why we feel like we're sinking. And the first one is simply this, when I can't see my way through it. In John chapter 6, verse 17, it says, By now it was dark. Folks, this storm was so big that it covered the moon and the stars above. It was pitch black. And that is the first characteristic of knowing that you're sinking. You can't see your way through it. The second one that we see in this story is when you and I feel like we are on our own. The Bible says that Jesus was not joined, Jesus had not joined with them. In other words, they felt like they're rowing the boat all by themselves. The third one that we see, when you know that you see, to help you understand if you're sinking or not, is when I feel like I'm out of my comfort zone and I start feeling insecure. The Bible says that this boat was out in the middle of the sea. Folks, they were off course. Maybe you feel like you're off course during this pandemic. You are out in the middle of you don't know where, and you're beginning to feel insecure. Or maybe you feel out of, uh, out of your comfort zone because of a relationship conflict or out of your comfort zone because of schooling with your kids. Folks, these disciples were certainly out of their comfort zone and they felt insecure. I know that I'm sinking when strong forces come against me. In the Bible, in Matthew, in, in Matthew it says that this storm was tossing them to and fro by the waves. In John, it says the water grew rough. In Mark, it says the winds came against them. Uh, the Greek word is, is megas. It's the word that we use for mega. In other words, it wasn't a little storm. Folks, this was a big storm. It was a mega storm. It was a, a, uh, a hurricane. It was a tsunami. And this is pretty common on the Sea of Galilee. Because the Sea of Galilee is in northern Israel, close to the Golan Heights, which are mountains. And the cold air coming off of the Golan Heights comes down to the Sea of Galilee, which is 600 feet below sea level. And when cold air hits hot air, folks, we all know what happens. It creates a storm. We had a storm here not too long ago because the cold winds from the north met the hot winds from the south. And so it is not uncommon to have storms in your life that create feelings within us that we're sinking. How do you know when you're sinking? You can't see your way through it. You feel like you're all on your own. You are out of your comfort zone. Strong forces are coming against you. And the final symptom that we see in this story <clears throat> is that you're struggling, but you're failing. You're not making any progress. Mark 6, 48 says, They were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. I don't know many or 
I should say, I, I believe many of us here feel that way. With all the uncertainty that's going on, we are struggling with the uncertainty. We can't plan for tomorrow. We can't plan for our schools. We can't plan for our vacations. We are struggling with the uncertainty. And I am sure for some of you, you are in serious trouble. You've been trying to get out of debt now because of this pandemic. You're further in debt. Some of you have been trying to get a job, but now with this pandemic, guess what? Jobs are harder to find. You have tried to find that great mate, but he's already taken. Okay, I just celebrated my 46th wedding anniversary. <laughs> you're struggling, and it's serious. You're failing, and you're not making any progress. What does God want you to do when you feel that way? A better question is this. What is God doing? Because a lot of times when we feel this way, when we have that sinking feeling, we think, God, what in the world are you doing? Folks, I don't know what kind of problem you're going through right now. I don't know what storm is in your life. I don't know what area you feel like you're sinking in, where you're saying, God, what in the world are you doing? Where are you, God? Why are you silent? This is so unfair. Folks, we think these things because we believe that God, if God was there, life would be smooth. If he was doing what he was supposed to do, life would be smooth. But folks, that isn't true. God is working. And in this miracle, we see God doing four things. The first one is this. Jesus is praying for us before it happens. In Matthew 14, the Bible tells us that Jesus was on the mountain praying for his disciples as he sent them into this storm. Now remember this. Everything is father-filtered. Nothing escapes God's notice. And as he sent those disciples uh, out on that cruise into this storm, he had a plan. He had planned this miracle in advance. Why? Because he wanted to teach them a lesson. Now let's all admit that most of the storms that come into our life, <laughs> we bring on ourselves. I mean, we are our worst enemies. But in this case, they were doing what God had told them to do. I want you to go on a cruise. I want you to go to Bethsaida while I'm praying. And I'll meet you there. Folks, sometimes we do what God has told us to do. And a storm comes up. And when that does, whatever you do, don't beat yourself up for it. Don't think that it's your fault. Don't think that you have sinned. This is the life, this is the story of Job. He was a good man. He was a blameless man. He was a righteous man. But overnight, in one day, folks, he lost it all. And he said this in Job 19, or eight, verse 8, God has broken my way and 
plunged my path into darkness. God was involved. And it's dark now. I feel like I can't see my way through this, uh, this way. Some of you feel that way. God has blocked my path. I wanted to get married, but I can't get married now. I wanted to get a job, but no one's returning the calls. I want to go to school, but the authorities won't let me. God has blocked my path. Let me just say this. Some storms that you go through in life are bigger than you. And I don't care how often you ask for an explanation. Guess what? You're not going to get one. So stop trying. Some things are bigger than us. And God wants us to walk by faith. One day when we get into eternity future, we'll understand it all. Now follow me with this. God knows everything that's going to happen. The past, the present, and folks, the future. That is why God never says, oops, oh my goodness, that one took me by surprise. Which further means God is never disappointed. Because, because disappointment means that you didn't expect it to happen. Folks, God knows. God knows the path. God knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about all of us. But God knows the past, the present, and he knows the future. And the good news about the future is that he is praying for us before it happens. Now, I know you're sitting there and you're thinking, God prays? He's praying to himself? God talks to himself? And you never talk to yourself? You talk to yourself all the time. In fact, you even answer yourself. Folks, I talk to myself all the time. And I answer myself. I talk to, to myself about my lovely wife of 46 years. I talk to myself about my grandkids. And I always say to myself and answer, hey, they're a lot better than, than my kids, okay? Folks, we talk to ourselves all the time. When God talks to himself it's called prayer. Jesus knows all that's going to happen to you during this season of life. And the good news is this, that he has already prayed for you. Just like Jesus prayed in advance for his disciples that were on that cruise. Just like Jesus prayed in advance for Peter before he was tempted to deny the Lord. Have you ever wondered what Jesus is doing in heaven? Well, I can guarantee you this. He's not playing cards. He's not playing bunco, and he's not playing Monopoly. The Bible says that he came, he lived, he died, he was buried, he resurrected, and he ascended to the Father to pray for us, to intercede for us. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who condemns us? Not Christ Jesus who died and then was raised back to life and is now at the right side of God interceding for us. When I'm going through a tough time, it is comforting to know that people are praying for me. 
If you're online, hey, shoot us a prayer request at 94,000, okay? We want to, it's comforting to know that people are really praying for you, that they care. But what is more comforting is to know that Jesus has prayed for you and is praying for you in advance. The second thing that God is doing, when you and I have this sinking feeling and we're asking ourselves, what in the world is God doing? Is this, he's noticing my struggles. Mark 6, 48, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. They are trying to keep the boat afloat to get back to the shoreline and they are straining at the oars to do so. As you are straining at the oars, as you are struggling in this season of life, folks, God sees it. Now, I don't know why it is that when we are struggling and straining at the oars that we think that God doesn't notice, but he does. He notices every detail of your life. Folks, he notices your bad breath. And he notices when you have a bad day. He notices when you are upset. Your stomach is with stress. He notices. He notices when you can't get a, a, any sleep because you've been turning over in your mind that issue again and again and again. Folks, God knows every detail of your life. Take a look at Job three fourteen. I love this verse. He sees everything I do and counts every step I take. Guess what? You don't even know how many steps you take if it wasn't for an Apple Watch or for a Fitbit, okay? We would, we would be clueless on how many steps, but God knows every step. He is into the details of your life. But something that is better than that is he cares. He is sympathetic. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he didn't sin. That verse just screams out, been there and done that. Jesus says, I know what you're going through. I know the stress that you're under. I know how tired you are, how frustrated you are, how, how, how you've been criticized, how people think less of you. I know because I have been there and I've done that. Folks, it's one thing to be aware. It's another thing to care. And so he is praying for us in advance. He notices our struggles. The third thing is he comes at, at my moment of desperation. At the very moment when I am ready to give up, guess what? God shows up. Not a moment sooner and not a moment later. Mark 6, 48. About the fourth watch, that is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. It first says about the fourth watch, between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., he shows up. Folks, these guys at that point were exhausted. 
They had been fighting this storm for about nine hours. It should have been a Gilligan Island trip, just a three-hour tour, but it wasn't. A storm came up and it blew them off course. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had a rogue storm? Have you ever had a rogue pandemic? A rogue economy? A rogue person? Just all of a sudden, bam, pop up like that. Where you should have been in Bethsaida by now. But because of the storm, you were blown off course. You are now in the middle of the sea. It is dark. You are feeling lonely. You are on your own. Your dream has disappeared and all you can think about is your safety. It's all you think about is your safety. For many of you, I just described your life. So what does Jesus do at that moment? It says that he went out to them. He didn't stay on the mountain and just observe. He didn't stay on the mountain and shout out instructions. Hey, you're going the wrong way. Come back this way. No, he went out to them. He intervened in their storm. Folks, that's the gospel. Jesus saw us in our brokenness, wallowing in the mire of our sin, seeing that we couldn't clean up ourselves. And so he chose to enter into human history, to live life like one of us. And he lived it in a perfect way, and he died on a cross, and he resurrected to take away our sin, to heal our brokenness, and to restore us into a relationship with him. And I hope you have that relationship because that is why he came. He didn't stay on the mountain. He comes and he meets them in their brokenness. And he comes to do the same for us to meet us in our pain, in our discouragement, in our depression, in our storms, in our fear. What a God we have. You may feel abandoned, but understand this you are not. Take a look at John 14 18. I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans. In a storm, I will come to you, and you can take that to the bank. The questions come up is, but when? When does God come? Well, he doesn't come in the first watch or the second watch or the third watch. Folks, he comes at the fourth watch. Why is that? Because if he came any sooner, it wouldn't be a miracle, and you wouldn't have noticed him. And you wouldn't have learned the lessons that he is wanting to teach you. Lessons of depending upon him at all times and not relying on yourself. God, if you don't come through now, I'm going to sink. And God comes at the fourth watch so that you know it's him. But the question, the second question is, how does he come? 
He comes walking on the white caps. He comes walking on the very things that scare us to death. Why is that? To make this point that whatever is over your head is under his feet. This pandemic that is over your head, folks, it is under his feet. Your lack of a job that is over your head is under his feet. Your frustration of schooling your kids virtually that is over your head is under his feet. God made the sea and he rules over the sea. And Jesus is in control because he is God. Now this leads to the fourth thing that God does. He shows us his true identity. You and I only learn what, who Jesus is through the storms of life. Only in the storms of life do we begin to understand that he is more than a mere human, a nice teacher, a moral leader. No, he is the creator of the universe. And everything is under his control. Mark 6, 49 and 50. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. What is Jesus doing here? Well, by walking on the water, he is revealing who he is. I am God. And he gives them three things. He gives them reassurance. Take courage. He gives them a challenge. Don't be afraid. And he gives them a revelation. It is I. Will you circle that phrase? That phrase in the Greek is ego ima. I am. I am is a, is the, is a name of of God. When God called Moses through the burning bush to rescue his people out of slavery, Moses says, who do I say sent me? And God responded to him, say, I am sent you. Seventy times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself as I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the resurrection. Seventy times Jesus described himself as I am. Which means if you need a job, you don't need a job. You need Jesus. If you feel like you are out on your own, you don't need a plan. You need a person. If you are out of your comfort zone, you don't need a new goal. You need God. If you are facing opposition and a fierce storm, you don't need a system. Folks, you need a Savior. And Jesus walks on the water and he says, I'm in control because I'm God and everything is at my disposal. Jesus is doing all these things for his disciples. The question is this. 
what are you doing? I know about myself. I don't worry about God. God's got his thing down perfectly, okay? What should my response be? Well, there are five things we see in this story, and the first one is this. Take courage because Jesus is with you. Remember, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of your fears. Secondly, take a risk in faith. What did Peter do in this story? Folks, he got out of the boat. Matthew 14, 28 and 29. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Folks, what a rush. That, that had to be, I, I would have loved to have been Peter. I mean, I like NASCAR driving. I like mountain climbing, 14,000 14, uh, 14, foot mountains. I, I like uh, uh, skydiving. Man, I, I would have loved to have been one of the disciples and asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, let me come out. Uh, I'd love to walk on water. But notice this, that Peter asks for his identity first. He, he wanted to make sure it was Jesus. Here's the point. If God asks you something, make sure it's God and not the pizza the night before. Or not you or not someone else. Make sure it's God. And if it's God... Get out of the boat. So let me ask you this. Where do you need to get out of the boat right now? For some of you, you need to join our online church community. And you need to state so. You need to join our physical church. Maybe tithing. Maybe coming back to church. Wherever God has, whatever God has told you to do, take a step of faith. The third thing that we need to do is we need to stay focused on Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. This is what happened to Peter. Matthew 14, 30. But when Peter looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord! He shouted. Peter started looking around, and as he saw the circumstances of what was going on, folks, he went down. Continue to look to the Lord. Don't look at the surroundings that are going around. And, for what, and whatever you do, stop watching so much news. Because if you look to the world, you will be depressed. If you look within, you will be distressed. But if you look at Jesus, you will be at rest. you got to look at Christ. What are you looking at? The fourth thing is this. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. For the sake of time, I want to say it like this. A lot of times when we have that sinking feeling, we don't believe that God is doing anything. 
in the background, or at least that we're aware of, we begin to doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. Don't do that. Believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Matthew 14, 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, and by the way, you of little faith was not a rebuke. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? I say that that's not a rebuke because he didn't say you of no faith. No. He just said you of little faith. And because Peter had a little faith, guess what? He experienced the supernatural. He believed his beliefs and he doubted his doubts. He doubted, just like that one person that came to Jesus, I do believe, but help me with my unbeliefs. In essence, this teaches us, folks, it doesn't take a lot of faith to experience the supernatural, to experience God. As I like to put it, little bit of faith plus a big God equals big results. Now once you've experienced the supernatural, once you've experienced God, the fifth thing that you do that we see in this story is that you praise God. This is the main thing. When you have that sinking feeling and you are scared to death and you feel like you're doing it all by yourself and that you are all alone and that you're going down for the last time, you need to praise him for who he is and for what he's doing and for what he will do. Take a look at Matthew 4, 14, 32 and 33. When Jesus climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now let's go back to the day before. They missed the meaning of the feeding of the 5,000. But now they got it. Now they got it. I want to ask you this question. Over these six weeks, we have seen breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. We saw at the resurrection, Jesus showed up for his disciples. That was the greatest breakthrough. We saw in Elijah how God provided for him through ravens and through a, a widow. We saw uh, through uh, the miracle of a blind man how God helps us to see our way clearly. We saw through another miracle breakthrough of a blind man of how he had a fresh start in following Jesus. Last week we saw the miracle of acceleration, the, the great fishing story, and how God blesses, but you follow the blesser. Today, we saw Jesus walk on water when his disciples had a sinking feeling. I want to ask you this. Do you get it? I started this series out by saying, 
and I've said it almost every message. It is never too late for a breakthrough. It is never too late to believe. And it is never too late for a fresh start. Do you understand who Jesus is? That he cares, that he is aware, and he can do something about it. Let's pray. Right now, I want you to bow your heads because some of you need to get Jesus in your life. God sees you in your sin, that you are wallowing in the mire, that you are broken and there's no way you can clean your own life up. And so he comes in and he does for you what you can't do for yourself. He lived that perfect life. He died on the cross. He resurrected from the grave so that you know that you can be healed. But you've got to trust him. And will you do that right now? Just by simply in your own heart, in your own words, saying, God, I admit I've sinned, but I believe that you died for my sins that you died for them so that I could be forgiven. And right now, I commit myself to you. I drop, I'm dropping you from my head into my heart. And if you did that for the first time, will you just let me know? Text 94,000, new start. And just type in, hey, I've just given my life to Christ for the first time. If you're recommitting your life, you can do it the same way. Just type in, uh, uh, type to 94,000, new start. Type in new start and type in, I'm recommitting my life. And we will get you some material that will make a difference in your life. God, we thank you that you're an awesome God. Thank you that nothing is impossible for you. And in you, we have